Welcome to the Passle Podcast CMO Series. Welcome to the Passle CMO Series podcast, where we discuss all things marketing and BD in professional services. Um, so today we're here to discuss technology and specifically technology and legal marketing and business development, which offers a variety of exciting opportunities to progress a firm forward. Although how and where the firm applies technology will depend on its capabilities and probably first and foremost, its goals and ambitions. To discuss aligning technology with their firm's goals, we're lucky today to welcome Suzanne Donalds, Chief Business Development and Marketing Officer at Davies. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you, Ali. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're very excited to. We've had some fantastic conversations leading into this, so I'm looking forward to uh, getting into the the guts of it and discussing you know all things around technology and what you've been doing. So I guess to kick us off, Suzanne, um, I would love to uh, understand for the benefit of the listeners, um, if you could take us briefly through your journey to CMO and actually tell us how technology has played a role in that journey. Sure, I'm happy to do that. There were two things that forged my journey to work at the nexus of what I think is business development and technology. The first is early exposure to technology, computers, and video games. And number two, the brilliant people I was fortunate to work with. I moved to San Francisco in the 80s, in 1987, and I was one of the few non-programmers in the workforce with technological skills and killer typing speed. <laughs> I was a paralegal, and these skills boosted me to a lead role in a very short period of time. Um, you might wonder how I got these skills. Well, I acquired them in high school. Like many, I took typing. I don't think they offer it today, but back in the day, I did. And even today, I'm still pretty fast. At the same time, my father's construction business was dissolving, and he asked me to catalog all of the auction items in Excel from our home computer. So that's how it all started. Um, if we were to fast forward, uh, I went to San, uh, fast forward to San Francisco. I was lucky to meet a woman by the name of Jolene Overbeck, and she was the director of marketing. Uh, this is way before we had CMOs at Oric. She gave me my very first job in law firm marketing. Uh, beyond being her assistant, I was also responsible for the firm's mailing and client list. So Jolene um, was a wonderful mentor, uh, allowed me to join the Legal Marketing Association. There I met other smart and talented people like yourself who opened the doors for me. Mm-hmm. Um, some names that might be familiar to you are Anne Lee Gibson, Nora Rubenstein, Lonnie Zwerin, Jan Ann Dubin, and Diane Hamlin, and many more. These are the people that led me to new roles and possibilities, and I became known as a bit of a technologist in LMA. I gave presentations, I got involved in committees, then I got on the board and became president of the Bay Area chapter, San Francisco Bay Area chapter, and I've worked for a lot of law firms, which took me to Los Angeles, back to San Francisco, then to Chicago in 2012, and now to Canada, which was February for Davies. That's amazing. And then thanks very much for that, that context. And always lovely to hear uh, Norm Rubenstein coming up. He's He's been mm-hmm. on the podcast. He's an absolute gentleman. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, I know that he's, he's done a lot around sort of people's careers. But, you know, it's really interesting to kind of see that you became, you know, known as that technologist within the LMA. And I guess that, that leads nicely into everything that you've been doing throughout your career. So, you know, when you come to talking about legal marketing and tech, um, how wide does that definition go? And actually, what kinds of solutions are we discussing here? At Davies, our definition of a legal marketing tech includes any systems that help us achieve our firm's goals. So Mm -hmm. these include our CRM, which we use interaction, 
our ERM, which is um, Enterprise Relationship Management. It includes a product called IntroHive. Our email distribution system, which is Ticket. And we have an aggregator called Foundation. We use for social media, Hootsuite. Media monitoring and pitching, we use Meltwater. Obviously, we have a website. We have an intranet. For project management, we use Monday.com. And for analysis, we use Power BI. And for document management, we use Net Documents. There's other products out there that we use within uh, within the firm sphere, but those are the ones that are really geared towards um, the marketing and business development function. I'd add that we leverage um, syndicated data, mm-hmm. such a, from such sources as Capital IQ, Bloomberg, Merger Market, and Deal.com, and that enhances and transforms our information to create actionable intelligence. And we put a lot of that information back into the systems that I mentioned previously. Rounding out the list are subscriptions to alternative distribution channels like JD Supra, Mondac, and Lexology. Yeah, naturally. And I think one of the things that um, really came through for me when we were talking about this previously is you've got a whole host of different technology. I'm sure it's something that you're going to come on to, but there's a real element of uh, human interaction throughout all of that. And I know you're talking about how you can really get the most out of it, you know, particularly stuff like that syndicated data by you know people understanding it from, from the human side of it, right? Yep, exactly. There is a statistic out there in the marketplace, and it says that for every technology that's on your plate, that's on your laptop or on your phone, we use less than 10% of it. it it's no shock yeah. that that's the same amount that we have for our brains, right? Yeah, and yeah. Um, and so it is really important for us as a team to understand what are the what are the what's the what's the value that these technologies add to us as a team and how can it make us more efficient, more effective and be able to support the lawyers in a way that moves the needle and achieves our goals and objectives. Very important. Yeah, really important. I, I, I love that kind of the idea of moving the needle. Actually, it brings us on really nicely to, um, you know, kind of the next question, which is, you know, when we come to talk about technology and on this podcast, we've we've heard from many different CMOs around their firms and many of which have sort of dramatically different goals and what they're trying to achieve. Um, you know, where one firm is solely focused on the market share in a single niche, another may be trying to sort of override, have an overriding focus on the type of work and its profitability. Um, so how can a law firm marketing and, and BD uh, team shape their tech stack and policies to meet their goals? Because I know this is something you really focus on. Without knowing more about the firm's specific needs and the questions they need to answer, it's hard for me to consider how in the main marketing and BD shape their tech stack. But what I can do is share with you how it works here at Davies. The tech stack is not a solution in and of itself. Uh, That's really important. I just want to pause right there. It needs to be coupled with firm initiatives to make an impact. So at Davies, we have short-term goals and we have long-term goals and objectives, which drive our staffing model, it drives our priorities, and it drives the tech stack that we use. So for example, understanding the full story of our client relationships is critical to putting the client's needs Mm -hmm. first. Our tech stack is designed to keep uh, the client team informed so that they may provide the highest level of of service and quality. Um, The technology helps our teams identify efficiencies, measure touch points, and target areas where we can continue to add value in helping the client achieve its goals. I sometimes think that firms implement technology as a panacea, that it's gonna solve all their issues. 
in my from my perspective that is not realistic oh, i can understand that and, and, and sort of you know before before the podcast we were actually just talking about you know your your firm's goals so where does your firm start in applying those technologies to those goals um and you know to that final point you made there they're not they're not just implementing it for the sake of it right as we work on the execution of each goal and objective we consider technology as a tool to that to meet that end um and determine how to proceed we consider our current stack the latest programs that are in the marketplace, um, our budget, and the work that's required to get it done, very simply. Well, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So I think maybe if we're able to delve into it, because I know you're sharing it with us a little bit, but is there a project that you and your team have been working on recently that's a good example um, of alignment between the goals of the firm and technology? Mm -hmm. We have deployed a data aggregator called Foundation, and it connects 12 sources, including databases, spreadsheets, or sometimes this information is in the heads of Mm. of people, and it's something we want and get on paper. And uh, all of these, I'd say about 80% of them were previously siloed, and they only talk with themselves or maybe one or two other programs. Uh, This is a highly collaborative project involving nearly every administrative function within the firm, including our leadership, knowledge management, pricing, finance, professional development, information technology, and then, of course, the marketing business development function. And the goal here is to align our data to create one truth and solve for the who we know, what we know, and why we know it. So this was a massive project that was three years in the making. Now, realize I just got the firm uh, you know, what about 19 months ago? So I can't claim success for this. This was not me. This was Celine Gilmore and other people on the team and, and the firm's leadership for having the foresight to know that this was a good thing to do. And it's now being deployed to the lawyers. And my understanding is that we are the only Canadian firm to deploy foundation to its lawyers and apply it firm-wide. So that's pretty spectacular. I think it's a huge win for the department and for the firm. Yeah, that's amazing. I think uh, for me, what kind of really came through there is the fact that you're talking about data. Data is king, as we all know, and law firms mm-hmm. it's on a huge amount of data that really they're probably not utilizing. And um, that idea of having one truth and therefore being able to understand how you can maximize the work that you're doing across the board, who's been working where, where you can cross sell. I mean, it's only going to have huge benefits to, to you as a firm. Um, and I'm sure that's been a really exciting project to be a part of. Absolutely. It's it's really helped elevate the value of the marketing team to mm-hmm. the firm as well, which I'll describe a little bit later in our podcast. But the, all, all it, it, it checks a number of the boxes for yeah. our goals and objectives, which is awesome. Yeah, I can imagine. Again, again, like we're saying at the top of the conversation, is that human element as well, which is just it just shows it's all it's all about balance. Um, so I think if we're kind of looking at like, zooming out a little bit here, I mean, when we consider law firms, you know, how far along the technology uh, journey do you think law firms are at the moment? And and when you consider that, do you think there is a minimum baseline um, or some sort of core capabilities that today's legal marketing and business development departments need to be delivering on? Yeah, I think it's all over the map. There are really three challenges that each firm must overcome. One is the war for technical talent. It's really hard to find those people. Although with the layoffs that have been happening recently, maybe in the in the tech sector, um, we might find better <laughs> talent to come into law firms. Um, so that might that might be a po- an opportunity for firms to uh, take advantage of that. 
Uh, the second is latent systems that are expensive to replace and they can be impossible to connect to other systems. And then the third is the number of years it takes to make it happen. Mm. Um, so since we are inside each firm, it's really hard to know how deep and wide the technology is utilized. An example of that historically has been CRM. You know, his, mm. we don't know what the true adoption was. It's, it's a bit of a mystery. And when I talk about adoption, I don't mean that, you know, how many people are using it because that that can be, you know, maybe they're using it to address mailing labels, but are they using it in the right way? And are the right people using it for the right purposes? Um, as far as core capabilities or minimum baseline for, for, uh, from a technological perspective uh, for each form, firm, it really depends on their goals and objectives. And I would suggest three criteria. One is for us here at Davies, we want our BD team to be fully embedded in the practices that they, that they support. Um, and it's really hard for that to happen if your marketing team doesn't have an ERM like IntroHive, where it reveals who has the closest relationships with the clients and targets. Two, uh, furthermore, our BD team needs to know the clients that their partners represent, the work that we do for them, and the value that we had. And this is essential for awards, rankings, expanding the share of wallet, pitching for new business, and also profile raising. And then the team needs some way to track experience and client features. And then you need some way, the third and final one, is you need some way to amplify your message uh, to the marketplace. I would suggest an email distribution system like Ticket, Concept, Future, and then for social media, Hootsuite is the one that we use, coupled with subscriptions from your website, which, which can promote your message more broadly, things like JD Supra, Mondac, and Lexology. And then the bottom line with all of these technologies is that in order for our BD team and the marketing team to be successful within the firm, we must forge close relationships with the partners. And the only way that I know of to get there is to consistently earn your seat at that table mm -hmm. and to make sure that you're adding value in every interaction that you have with the partners. And of course, you never overpromise. You underpromise and overdeliver, right? It's really yeah. important for every team to do that. I think sometimes we get into meeting rooms and we, you know, we're the scribes. So we take down a bunch of notes and then uh, we come back and we give a long list of those notes, but there's little time taken for prioritization to say, we're going to do, op you know, option one uh, next week and what we're going to do the ne next week and the week after communicating those and having that close uh, trusting relationship with the partners is really critical to the success of any team. Yeah, without a doubt, because, you know, at the end of the day, if they're, they're, the way that they're working, they need to be able to understand the value that you're you're bringing. And actually, you know, we spoke about this previously, being that strategic yeah. partner in terms of, you know, uh, shaping the way that the firm's going and how it works. I mean, one thing to pick up on that you mentioned there in terms of, like, I guess, a little bit of a gulf between what people are doing with the CRM system. And it was actually only today I was chatting with a law firm here in the UK, and I, they will remain nameless. However, they do not have a CRM system. And for the first time in um, January, they're going to be taking one on and doing a bit of a trial with it, which uh, to me sort of was seemed rather amusing. I, it, can't, can't, it just shows you kind of the, the gulf in between what people are doing and, and the opportunities mm -hmm. there are. Um, 
Anyway, I guess uh, it's all been, been very, very interesting. But, you know, as as always, we'd absolutely love to kind of finish off with understanding a little bit more from you. But what would be great is actually if we could go into um, understanding sort of one piece of advice uh, that you have for others who are looking to make the most of the opportunities presented by technology, uh, specifically, obviously, in the legal marketing and business development space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have four things <laughs> to offer. Well, that's okay, good. Um, that's good. We want that information. <laughs> Uh, stick to your goals and objectives. I've talked about it a lot uh, in our conversation today. Resist the shiny object. Let it go. If it doesn't meet your goals and objectives, let it let it go away. <laughs> uh, crawl before you run and pilot and test. Very important, all those mm-hmm. things. Uh, the last part is a big bone of contention for me because, and, and I've seen, you know, I've been in a lot of law firms and seen a lot of technologies deployed both within the marketing department as well as just generally in the firm. And what's what's interesting every time that I see those is we give short shrift, the marketing department gives short shrift to learning the new technology mm-hmm. and figuring out ways that it can improve the marketing and BD functions. And the worst thing we can do is to just use it in the same way we did the last version. I see it all the time. And, and it's really complicated by two challenges. The technology will be the technology will be radically different mm-hmm. um, for which we need to be competent. And the lawyer's needs and focus will understandably come first in the firm. So this just means that the marketing team needs to view these as innovation projects and mm-hmm. determine how they can help us do better. And the last thing I'll say is that um, you won't get very far. If you continue to hire people who do not have strong technological skills or are afraid of working with unfamiliar technology, and and you're really going to sink yourself in if you give those with subpar tech skills a pass. Everyone on our team is required to improve their technological sophistication and become the best version of themselves. Actually, and that's a really nice way to round it off. And actually, I think what was brilliant is that it's so easy to, you know, take technology and run with it and to your point, just implement shiny new objects. But actually, as we spoke about throughout this podcast, it's how do you align it um, with those goals? Like what's actually going to achieve something? And to to use your phrase at, at the start is move the needle the attorneys you know that's what's what's ultimately the ultimate output with this so how can you actually align that and again just that constant theme of the human element you know the strategy that comes from yourself Suzanne and the team and then actually people being able to understand the value of what it's doing so thanks so much for for sharing so many uh fantastic insights there it's been a been a pleasure my pleasure too Brilliant. Well, um, as uh, tradition goes, we have actually finally a little quick fire round to, to, to finish things off, um, a little bit more relaxed. So going to get straight into that, if that's OK, and just run through five really quick questions uh, just to kind of you get a little bit better. So to kick it off, um, what's your favourite business and non-business book, please? OK, so here's a confession. I'm dyslexic and I'm a slow reader. So I love books which in which I can fully submerge. One of my favorite non-business trilogy series is Child 44 by Tom Rob Smith. It's great. I highly recommend it. Um, uh, on the business books, I'm obsessed with Edward Tufte. He uh, produces a whole series of books on visual displays of data. There's real power in how you present information, and he shows you how to do it. So that's, that's definitely worth some time. And he also gives presentations, by the way. 
Okay, interesting to get into there. Uh, again, yeah. a nice little tech book. Um, so second question would be, what was your first job, please? So I'm, I'm from Reno, Nevada, probably one of the first people you've ever met from Reno, Nevada. Yeah. Uh, I worked for my dad's construction company while doing office work um, in, you know, with various times throughout my educational career. Funny story, for my senior prom, my dad lent us a flatbed truck for our float. And he said, go pick it up at the construction yard. And he said, the keys are in the truck. Well, there were several trucks at the yard. So I picked the biggest, of course, which I didn't know that you needed a special license to drive. <laughs> nice. I imagine Reno is one of the few places you probably were able to get away with that. <laughs> well, yeah, probably. I drove it across town and needless to say, my dad was less than pleased. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, and, you know, leading on to something, something well, you know, what, what makes you happy at work? Um, seeing my teammates become the best versions of themselves and, of course, changing hearts and minds. Naturally. Um, fourth question, what, what are you listening to at the moment? Uh, this could be sort of podcast, music, anything along those lines. Well, I, I love music, but I'm a huge podcast geek. So uh, obviously the Passel podcast CMO series is number one, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. But then I have a whole bunch I like and I flip around to all of them. I love American Scandal. It's great. There's a lot of things in history that we're not taught. And uh, this is a NPR uh, podcast, so you know it's coming from a source of uh, accuracy. I liked Hidden Brain is a great one. That's how we think, why we think the way we the way we do and and act the way that we do. Uh, very helpful, particularly in the business context. Mm -hmm. Left, Right, and Center is amazing. Um, it's a political show with people from all those um, discipline. You know, the left side, the right side, and the center. Land of the Giants is also a, a historic. Uh, podcast about big companies and startups and where they how they've grown into these big behemoth entities uh persona the french deception is really great about people who deceive others and how they get away with things it's fascinating uh the serial podcast everybody knows about that it's great it's mostly about crime uh the moth is about storytelling fabulous the problem with john stewart has john stewart and uh, This American Life is also a storytelling uh, podcast. Ira Glass is the, um, is the host for that. It's amazing. It's out of Chicago. And uh, Today Explained explains all kinds of amazing things, which is fun. And then from a comedy perspective, Smartless with Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. They surprise one one person's responsible for bringing either an actor or singer or someone famous to the group and the other two don't know that they're coming and they disappear and they have a conversation and it's so hilarious it's really good amazing i might have to dip into that i made made notes of a couple of the others of the hidden brains and uh land of the giants which which, which certainly kind of uh sound very interesting to, to dip into um yeah. and the final question for you suzanne is where is your favorite place to visit and why that's hard to say i i don't have just one favorite place you know, I've been fortunate in, in, in my life to um, to travel all over the world. So I think it just depends. You know, I'm, I'm from Nevada and Lake Tahoe, which crosses both Nevada and California, is just an amazing place. And when I need to calm myself, I always think about a quiet top of the mountain scene with trees covered in snow and uh, sound just all disappears. It's It's amazing. Um, I have lots of fond memories of places that I visited, Venice, Italy, Merida, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, Kenya, Uganda, and Botswana, and Africa. Um, and, and I love Chicago. 
there's, I think I shared with you in our conversation about attending the paper machete on Saturdays at the green mm-hmm. mill. Mm-hmm. It's really the best. It's like a SNL uh, in, in, in live uh, space, Saturday live in live space. And then of course, you know, Toronto, my new home. And, um, and then we have an office in Montreal as well as New York, but Toronto and Montreal are amazing places. And I have so much to explore and, um, being someone from the United States, it's amazing to me how little we know about Canada and how much information is filtered and clouded and you just you just don't and and I consider myself fairly well read or you know I listen to a lot of things on podcasts and news and and such but um but it's still in, amazing to me how little I knew about Canada before coming here and it's just an amazing country I love it that's amazing. Well, thank you very much. Sounds like you're incredibly well traveled. You say huge amounts uh, to learn and clearly kind of feeds into you know some of those podcasts that you like to listen yeah. to. Obviously. Well, thanks for uh, having me. Because... I so appreciate it. I hope this was helpful and that people find it of use. And if anybody has any questions, I'm I'm happy to make myself available. It's very kind of you. It's been an absolute joy to have you on, Suzanne. Thank you very much for everything, sharing your knowledge. Sorry. And I look forward to being to you again soon. All right. Take Brilliant. care.